All right, welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. This is episode 92 uh, of the Apex Vaulting Podcast. I know it's been a little while since our last episode. It's been super busy uh, at Apex, um, trying to keep up with all the hours coaching and stuff like that, so I apologize. But I want to let everybody know um, what I'm going to be doing now. uh, I'm going to be trying to do an episode a week. All right. So especially if you have any comments or questions, especially questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, please email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com and we'll try to answer as many questions as we can. Again, we're going to be doing weekly episodes. So I'll be going to the questions and trying to answer any of those questions you guys have. It could be anything pole vault related. Heck, even if you have questions that aren't pole vault related, send it over to us and and we'll answer it as best as we can. And we'll try to get to as many questions as we can. Um, Again, uh, episode a week. That's what we're going to be aiming for. Also, you can listen to this podcast on Apple iTunes uh, podcasts, and you can also watch us on YouTube. I'm uploading all these on our YouTube channel. Please, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe, um, like it if it's on YouTube. And if you could leave a review, that would be awesome. Or even comments on YouTube. Review on on Apple iTunes and a comment on YouTube would be great. That's a great way to support the podcast if you're enjoying it. Um, Also, since I will be doing these podcasts weekly, a lot of them are just going to be solo podcasts. Uh, I did one recently and you know what? For, for it to be more regular, it's sometimes hard with my schedule and other people's schedules to try to get a guest every single time. And so that's why I, I've been having those gaps. So instead, I'll just, you know, whether we have a guest or not, I'll be posting a podcast and there's plenty of pole vault topics to talk about. Uh, that being said, let's get into this season. Um, we've had some amazing results and, and it's still so early, early in the season and people are coming back from either, you know, COVID or, or they're coming back from quarantining or whatever. And again, still amazing results, uh, all around, uh, on the men's side, obviously it's, it's been amazing to watch the young talent, uh, Casey Lightfoot. He opened up the season ablaze. I mean, who, who didn't expect this though? To be honest, if you, if you follow social media, uh, people on social media, Casey Life, I mean, he posted a six meter jump in practice. So you knew he was capable of some big jumps and to already have jumped 595. I mean, he jumped that 594, then jumped the 595. He also had the world lead for a little while. Um, amazing, amazing stuff. And I, I'll be honest, looking at the last few years, of pole vault and who's coming on on the come up and who maybe is getting ready to to finish. I, I definitely thought Renault was at the end of the road. You know, I mean, he's getting older. The results haven't been what they used to be. And wow, I mean, he is he is back with a vengeance. And this is where too, it's like it's funny. Um, I listened to a podcast recently uh, with Casey Lifa on Track World News, uh, which. Again, that's Colin Waitsman's podcast. He's been on my podcast. Definitely check it out. He does a great job. Um, Casey Lightfoot was on his podcast. And Casey was talking about how, like, you know, you jump and and you just try to focus on you and, and kind of trying to negate that mental part. But I don't know, man. I, I feel like as a pole vaulter, I know, uh, you know, you're on the runway. Nobody can play defense against you. And, and you're just going out there doing your thing. I think, though, the way other people jump the whispers and comments that you hear on the side definitely motivate you. And, you know, whether people talk about it openly, you know, there's these conversations. I mean, 
like I said, I, I've been watching the last couple of years. It's like, eh, Renault's kind of done. He's getting older. Can't jump that high anymore. And, you know, you have Mondo breaking his world record. Sam is super – Sam Kendrick's super consistent. I, I really thought it was the end of the road. And now, I mean, you know, he, he came out. He jumped that 594, then 595, then 6, 6.02 um, to take the world lead from Mondo. I mean, this guy is killing it right now. And he, he definitely looks uh, faster on the runway than he has the last couple of years. And, and the jump is looking better. Um, I don't know. It's shocking. But then, obviously, you know, here's the thing. I know he has the world lead right now. But Mondo came out his first meet and jumped 601. I, I mean, I have a question for anybody out there. You know, if you want to look this up, I haven't looked this up. Has anyone jumped higher for a season opener? 601? That's ridiculous. I mean, just when you thought maybe like, okay, Renault is killing it. Casey Lightfoot is killing it. You know, haven't seen a mark from Mondo in a little while. And then he opens up at 601. I mean, that's just, that's unbelievable. Um, And something to keep in mind when you're watching some of these people jump, you may watch an early season meet and you know, things aren't dialed in yet. You know what I mean? Their run's not quite there. They, They might not have figured out the pole progression and so that's why it's like opening up at 601 first shot. I mean, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, the other thing to consider though, and think about like one, it's like, I, I think Piotr Lisek had a mark in the five forties. Uh, Sam hasn't done anything crazy yet. Um, but we got a long ways till the summer, you know what I mean? And it, as long as the Olympics are going to happen, you know, it's great to jump this now. And it's great, I think, for us as pole vault fans to be able to discuss it and go, okay, like who are going to be the big names, like, and try to project what we think is going to happen this summer. But we, we got a long road ahead. I mean, one, you know, injuries play a part. You know, if somebody, you know, pulls a hamstring or something like that, or, you know, even obviously it's pole vault, you know what I mean? You can have a bad jump crash into the standards and then get even more seriously injured. So injuries play a part, you know, who's good, who's going to be, you know, ready for the summer. The other thing uh, is, you know, maybe some people are starting off slow because they're really planning to kill it this summer, you know, and they're not worried about the marks right now. Maybe they're working on something, uh, you know, or just hitting a really hard, uh, training, uh, training, uh, session, you know, um, yeah, who, who, who knows? Right. But it's, it's definitely fun watching right now on the women's side. I mean, there's a lot of names. I, I, you know, obviously like someone like Katarina Stefaniti, she's super consistent. I feel like she's uh, the women's version of Sam Kendricks. I mean, Katarina just shows up every time and she does what she does. But I think the biggest names right now in, in the women's pole vault, obviously Sandy Morris, she has the world lead at, at 4881. And, and then Sidorova from Russia, she's jumped to 480. You know, and it's interesting, again, like we talk about, you know, these world leading marks and, you know, who's who's the leader, you know, who's second, especially when some of these marks are only separated by a centimeter. You know, we have to remember that's we're talking about a half an inch, a half an inch. So and, and a lot of these people are not competing head to head right now. They're at separate competitions. They're not jumping against each other. Right. So even going back to the, the, the men's side, I mean, how does Casey Lightfoot jump if he's in a competition with Renault 
and Mondo. You know, right now he's going to these college meets, not a lot of competition for him. I mean, when he's jumping 595 and breaking the division one record, you know, I, I don't know what's the next best guy at the meet jumping. Is anyone really pushing him? You know, cause I think again, going back to that idea of, you know, how mentality plays a part. I, I don't think we give enough credit. I think often it's funny in the pole world. If someone's running through, we right away, Oh, it's mental. Can't be some technical problem. Can't be a training problem, right? Like, are you, are you having too many big days, you know, and run, trying to run from your long approach too often and experiencing CNS fatigue? Right away, we jump to that person's mental, right? But then when we talk about competing, we're like, oh, the mental aspect doesn't play a part. We're all just, do, you know, competing against the bar. Mm, I don't know about that. Now, you know, everybody's different. You don't know who's going to rise to the occasion when there's competition and who's going to get crushed by the pressure, right? But it'd be interesting right now, right, seeing a Casey Lightfoot, a Mondo, and a Renault all at the same meet, you know, what's going to happen? And I think that's why something like the Olympics and World Championships are so awesome because we get to see those best, uh, best guys and gals compete against one another head-to-head. Um, now, on the women's side, going back, right, Again, I, and personally, I think Sandy Moore is wildly talented, wildly talented. And you know what? Like she is super fast on the runway. She jumped that, that 481, uh, which by the way, for the people who, who don't know the metric, that's, uh, I think it's like 1510. Um, I know 480 is 159 exactly. So maybe it's four, uh, 15, nine and a half or something like that, but 15, 10, but so they, they relatively jump, you know, very similar bars. Sidorova, obviously not competing against her. They're not, they're not going up against each other head to head, but it's amazing, amazing to see, you know, what's going on. Uh, the other thing, again, it's early, early season. I think both Sandy and Sidorova, when I watched their, their, uh, you know, 480, 41 jumps, I'm like, that's still not dialed in. They're, they're jumping these 15, nine, 15, 10 bars. And it, and it doesn't look like their best efforts yet. You know what I mean? I, and, and as it should, right. They, they've, they both, I think Sidorova's had two meets. Sandy's had one, um, you know, it's, it's very early and they, they are hitting these marks and it's not even, they're not even at, you know, full, full strength yet. You know, it's not, not a championship meet. They haven't had a lot of meets under their belt. They haven't fine tuned things. And it's just like, that's scary. You know, I, I, I wonder sometimes too, it's like, if you're someone that's competing against, a, you know, a Sandy or Sidorova now, or on the men's side, if you're like going against someone like Mondo or Renault, like, and, and you're one of the heavy hitters, what does that do to you mentally? Does that worry you about later in the season? Do you feel like you got to play catch up now? Um, you know, do, do you need to change something if you feel like you're not capable of those marks right now? I, I wonder what, what the mental approach is for some of them when they start to see those marks. You know, it's like, wow. You know, it's like, what did Sandy jump at her first meet? This is unbelievable. Like, you know, I, I wonder what it does because I know, especially on a lower level, right? Like I'm a club coach. I deal with a lot of high school, college athletes. You know, whether it's a county me, a conference, state me, whatever, you know, you know what your competitors are doing and you know that there's definitely impact. If you know someone's jumping pretty high early on, you probably put a little bit of pressure on yourself like, all right, I got I to go out there and do something. Otherwise, I'm going to fall behind, you know. 
So I really w- wonder about that. Uh, Another thing that I wanted to bring up too, what's really interesting, and I want people to think about this. Sometimes you might wonder, right? Like, again, for me personally, if I see someone take the world lead by one centimeter, I'm like, all right, that's cool. But like, not a big deal. Obviously, these people are so, so close. Like, even again, going back to the men's side, we have Casey Lightfoot at 595, right? That's a 19.6 bar. Then you have uh, Mondo at... 19, uh, 601, which is 19, eight and a half or three quarters. And then you have uh, Renault at 602, which is 19.9, right? So we're talking about inches there, right? Like it's not like Casey Lightfoot is a world away from, from those two guys. It's, it's all really, really tightly packed. So you always have to remember this when you see these marks, you know, it's one centimeter higher. Yes, the person's in the lead right now, but it's not like, it's not unsurmountable. Like th- these are marks that people can get to. Um, the thing that I don't think everybody knows, and I don't know why it's not more open in our sport of pole vaulting, like it is, let's say in the NFL or NBA, right? I think we all know like professional athletes in other sports, like in the NFL, like you get a bonus, right? Like if you throw more touchdowns, you get a bonus. If your team makes a pl- uh, the playoffs, you get a bonus. Like I know Tom Brady, for example, with the New England Patriots, he got a bonus because they made the Super Bowl, right? Like that was in his contract. And we kind of find all that stuff out as fans of other sports. They, they talk about it in ESPN very openly. And the thing that we don't realize sometimes in the pole world is like, guys, these people are getting bonuses for world lead mark, right? Like if you go to a meet, they're getting a, they might be getting a bonus for winning the meet. They might be getting a bonus for hitting a world lead. They might be getting a bonus for a, a, a national record. And obviously there's bonuses for world records. So sometimes this is why we see some of the things that we see as far as like progressions of heights and why, you know, like, why does a guy bother jumping one centimeter? Like, right. Why don't, why don't they put it up 10 centimeters, that'd be four inches roughly, right? Or why don't they go up 15 centimeters, right? That would be six inches roughly, right? Like, why don't they just throw it up there, you know? Um, that's a lot of times why, you know what I mean? Like, they, there's money, monetary reasons why they're choosing the progressions that they choose. I often even myself wonder, and obviously I can't give you guys an answer for this, but, you know, why don't they go head-to-head more frequently um, earlier in the season, you know, sometimes maybe it comes down to like that bonus, right. Of like winning a meet, you know? Um, but again, what I'm really going back to this season and how it started, I I feel like it really shows how everybody wants to ramp up for the Olympics. I think sometimes what, what disappoints me on non-Olympic years, you know, it's like you go to, you go to a meet, like I've been to an icon stadium meet, um, in, in Randall's Island, New York. Uh, it was a diamond league meet. There, there was a lot of professional vaulters there. And, um, you know, as a fan watching from the stands, one of the things that I felt was like, man, sometimes like these people don't look like they want to be there, you know, especially if it's not an Olympic year, maybe there's not something on the line or whatever. It's like, you don't see that competitive aspect. And what I really feel this year that's different, and obviously I think people are ramping up for the Olympics, but you, man, you can sense it. You know what I mean? Like people are pushing, like, duh. Like obviously Sandy knows that Sidorova jumped 480. So that's why she put it at 481. They're being very competitive with one another, which I think is awesome. You know, one of the things, and and I put this out there, right? And listen to this guys, right? I will every once in a while tweet something out, right? I'll go on Twitter. I'll 
And I'll tag like World Athletics or American Track League or, you know, USATF, whoever, right? And one of the questions that I put out recently, and I never get a response, guys, um, I, I tweeted out, you know, what, how should we go about promoting our sport? And I want everybody to think about that, right? How do we promote our sport? Should we promote it through PRs and records, right? Like marks, or should we be promoting the competition? And I said, you know, hand, think about other sports. And when you look at other sports, you know, what I always notice, I mean, a lot of people couldn't even tell you records in other sports. Like, I think one of the most major records that got broken in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years even, is the home run record. Roger Maris had 61 home runs. And there was that summer with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. They both broke it. But to be honest, like, now it's like, I don't even remember. Because I know Mark McGuire hit 70 home runs. And I think Barry, Barry Bonds hit, broke that. But I don't remember. Did he do 73, 77? It was a weird number. But it's like, I think the bigger thing in every other sport, what they figured out is you promote the competition, you promote winning and losing because every single meet in track and every single game in any other sport, you may not get a record that day, but you always get winners and you always get losers. And us as fans, we want to know why, how, I mean, at that level, again, like I said, there's inches separating the, the men and women that are competing in pole vault inches. These people are so, so close to each other. What is that thing that gets someone over the edge and has them win on a given day? Like what motivated them? How did they, what did they figure out? Maybe it was something technical. Maybe it was a skill that they've been working on, you know, for the last few months. Maybe it was something physical. Maybe they've been hitting squat or deadlift hard or some, some sprint workouts. But as fans, we want to know, like, what got them to that win? And I think that's something that we can have a conversation about every time. Because I think the unfortunate thing, like, I think about somebody like Mondo Duplantis, it's like, because he broke the world record and, you know, he, he broke it a couple times already, we almost look at him jumping that 601 bar and we're like, oh, he didn't break the world record. That's crazy, though. That's, look, it's not like... It, we're going to have the Super Bowl uh, this week, right? Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's going to watch the Super Bowl. And if Patrick Mahomes doesn't like break the record for, for most touchdowns in the game, you know, they're not going to be, oh man, he only threw three touchdowns. No, Kansas City fans will be happy if they win. They care less if he breaks the record. And I think the same thing, again, when we're talking about those heights, like, look, let, let's just throw out a crazy idea. It's not like somebody is going to pull vault 35 feet in the air right? At least not for the foreseeable future, right? So we're always going to have, you know, on the men's side, people jumping like 19 plus, who knows, maybe Mondo will, will really push the competition. Maybe we start seeing people start to hit that 20 foot mark a little bit, you know, more regularly. Um, on the women's side, I, first of all, I, I definitely think on the women's side, like 17 feet, is around the corner. Someone's going to jump 17 feet, whether that's Sandy, Sidorova, or somebody else, but somebody's going to do that. But we're always going to see the women, I think, around that like 16-ish, you know, mark. And so it's like, what what is it that gets people to that level, you know? And what gets people of that level to compete when it counts, like at a world championship or an Olympic meet, right? Like those are the things that we can always talk about. And that way we have, I, I think, 
a, a more mature conversation about pole vault than just like how high somebody jumps. I mean, I, I don't know, like if, if, like right now this podcast, you know, if all I wanted to talk about was just like, okay, Renault has the world lead at 602. I would have been done with this podcast a long time ago. You know what I mean? But yet, like thinking about how these people are going back and forth, who's taking the world lead, why, what motivates them, you know? Like, again, going back to Renault, I, I, I think the last couple of years have motivated him. Something's got to have gotten inside of him. You know, he sees his world record get broken, you know? Um, he sees a lot of people not talking about him and – in fact, I think when people have been talking about Renault, they've been talking about how, you know, he's probably going to retire soon and they're not expecting much from him. And now he wants to prove those people wrong. Like, you know, I, in fact, this week on my Instagram, it's the real apex vaulting. If you want to follow it. And, um, I didn't post it on YouTube, I don't think. But on the Instagram, I, um, I took a clip of, of a talk that Bupka and Izimbaeva did at the World Youth Juniors. So it's like an audience of 14 to 18-year-old um, athletes. And Bupka was talking about the doubters, you know, in 1997. You know, he was coming back from surgery on his Achilles tendon. Um, hadn't jumped that high that year. I think his best mark was 18.4. And no one was expecting him to do anything at the world championships that summer. And he, I don't know, like pulled it out of his ass and he jumped 19.8 and won that meet, you know? So I, I think having doubters and stuff like that, that's motivating, man. It motivates people who are champions that motivates them. Right. And so I, 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 for one would love to hear more about that. Like I would even love to know it's like, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious if, you know, Sandy put the bar at 481, she had to have known Sidorova jumped 480. Does Sidorova motivate her? Does anybody motivate her? Does, does seeing marks from other people push her, drive her? You know, I, I would love to know that kind of stuff, you know, because it's like, and here's the thing, at the end of the day, as an athlete, man, competition drives you to make you better. You know what I mean? It pushes you. You know, like, what would the pole vault world record be if, like, I don't know, what, what, if, if everybody was just jumping, like, on the guy's side, everybody was just jumping 15 feet. Like, nobody ever tried to, like, push it past that, that 15-foot barrier, you know? And, and think about it, like, when you go back through the history of the pole vault, there was always, like, the first guy to jump 15, the first guy to jump 16, the first guy to go 17, 18, 19, so on and so forth. That, and that always drove the competition, you know? I, I think even um, Renault, is so important to the history of the pole vault because there were so many years where Bupka held that record. And I think a lot of people on the men's side, they just felt that record was unatt unattainable, you know, uh, just not possible. You know, Bupka was so good and so high and I would hear all the types of things, you know, and then Renault broke the record. And now Mondo did. And now we start to see more six meter jumps than ever. That has to be a motivating factor to know that you can do it, you know? So uh, it, it's just very interesting watching all this stuff unfold. Again, if you have any questions, email to us. Uh, you know what? If you have a specific question, even maybe about one of the competitors, I'll try to reach out and, and see if I can get an answer from somebody. Um, here's another thing that I wanted to bring up, switching gears a little bit to coaching, right? 
Um, I just uh, published a blog article on the website. It's just apexvaulting.com. Um, the title of the article, I just don't want to get it wrong. So the title of the article is, Do Your Athletes Love Your Coaching? Okay. And as a coach, I think it's super important. I, I think obviously like every coach um, should be reflecting on their coaching and assessing, you know, how good of a job I'm doing. But I think most coaches, we have an ego, right? You obviously think the way you coach is the best or it's very good, you know? And I think any coach um, has that confidence uh, or maybe even cockiness to look at someone pole vault and go, well, if I coach that person, they would jump higher. I know we've, we've all been there, right? Um, my suggestion is definitely try to eat some humble pie and try, try to learn from as many people as possible. Because I think sometimes people get to that confidence too quickly. Um, but the thing that I bring up in the article is like, even though you may think your coaching is the best, you might be shocked when if you were to actually sit athletes down and get honest answers from them, they might not be in love with your coaching as much as you are, you know? Um, and there's many reasons for this. But one of the things that I try to go over in the article, and this is especially for anybody out there that's a club coach who's trying to grow their club, grow their business, and especially if you're trying to do it full-time or are doing it full-time and maybe you feel like you're struggling. Like I have a couple, a couple things to think about. One, if you don't coach athletes for longer than two to four years, there's got to be an issue. Uh, two, if you have huge drop-offs in attendance during off-seasons, that something's wrong with the, with the system, right? So reason those two things, I, I think those are two huge, huge indicators for your coaching. One if you only have athletes for two to four years, that means you're probably only coaching high school kids. And once they leave, uh, they go to college, they're not coming back. Or maybe even they stick around for a year or two during college, but that's it. After college, they're done. That means uh, people are viewing your club, your coaching as only like a thing high school kids do to try to get a scholarship. And I think that that is the wrong way uh, to sell your coaching, to sell your business. Uh, you should not be a, a considered a scholarship factory because if we're being honest, very few kids get scholarships. Very few, right? Like I, on an average year, we coach about 100 athletes at Apex. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, if two, three kids a year get some money for college, that's a lot. You, you know what I mean? It's just one, it, I think it's getting more and more difficult to get scholarships. Um, Two, you have to be talented enough. You know, at Apex, one thing that I'm super, super proud of is we get clientele from all different ages, from middle school all the way to adults. And everybody has different goals and different ability levels. Like we get a lot of people that come in that want to learn how to pole vault and they have fun with it. And they know they may not have the ability to jump, let's say, a, a division one mark, right? Like how many boys that you are coaching currently or girls could actually jump at a high level in division one? Like how many females in your club are going to jump 13 plus? How many males at your club are going to jump 16 plus? If we're being honest, not everybody can attain those marks, right? Not everybody that's coming through your door. And you know what? If everybody that's coming through your door can do those marks, 
awesome. Props to you. But you probably don't have that many athletes that you're coaching. There's no way you have a hundred clients and all hundred can do those marks. That's just not possible, right? The, the other thing is, again, if you're so going back to like selling your club or selling your coaching uh, through scholarships, again, like we just went over, that's not possible for everyone, right? Instead, the way you should be selling your coaching and selling your club is that this is a great activity. Pole vaulting is super fun and it's a gr- total body workout that's a great way to stay in shape. I think that's the way you got to sell your business, right? Um, it, I, I know at my club, we have an amazing uh, environment, a great culture. Um, we're really, really uh, big on creating an environment where people can feel good about training, learning the skills, and then also doing our strength and conditioning and getting stronger, faster, and just healthier, right? Um, I know on the podcast, we've had John Mraz. He's probably like one of the biggest success stories, which again, this is not going to happen for everyone. But you know, John was over 200 pounds, you know, the doctors were saying that he might need hip replacement surgery. But he made a bet to his son. If his son jumped 12 feet as a freshman, he was going to pole vault again. And a year later, the guy was 160 pounds, super fit, and he was pole vaulting 12 feet. Like, amazing, amazing story. Not that that's going to happen to everybody, but I think it's a great way to get in shape. And I think as coaches, we need to be more excited about everybody that's coming through our doors, not just the person that's going to be a state champ or get a D1 scholarship. Um. So that's a big thing. You want more people in your club, you want to have a a successful business, then you need to start to to expand your mind of like who you want to coach, who you're willing to coach, and how you can help everyone of all ability levels. Um, Trust me, I've heard all the stories. Like one of the biggest complaints I hear from athletes that are not from Apex Vaulting is if they didn't jump that high, they felt ignored at their club. No client should ever feel ignored. I mean, listen, I, guys, I love pole vault. I, I would coach for free if I could, right? But the facility we have, you know, it's a four grand rent. Just the rent alone is huge. I have to charge something to keep the doors open, you know, and also provide a living for myself. Um, I, I would coach for free. But we, if you want to coach for a living, you want to make this your everyday, you love pole vault that much, then you have to respect everybody that comes through your doors. You can't just want to coach the best, right? Everybody is paying to be on that runway. They deserve your attention, you know, and you have to really start thinking about that. Now, the second point that I brought up, an indicator, you know, how good is your coaching or how much are people really loving and enjoying your coaching? Do you have a huge drop off in the off season? So we all know indoor track, outdoor track, especially in the Northeast, I'm sure certain parts of the country, it's a little bit different, but that indoor, you know, so let's say December through May, June, you know, that's track season, right? Um, Obviously, even at Apex, our highest numbers are during indoors and outdoor track. um, And there is a slight drop off during summer and then falls are slowest season because especially our kids that um, even come in and I shouldn't just say kids, um, but this impacts the, the high school athletes more. Even our high school athletes who come in two, three days a week, 
they might still be coming in during the fall, but they might drop down to once a week because they're playing soccer or some other fall sport. So that's why their, their attendance or drops, right? So that, that's only natural. But if you see a huge drop off, and I'm going to give you guys an example or a story. I remember one year, um, a guy that I was coaching was coaching at another club, you know, and it was summertime. So summer's pretty busy for us. Like it may not be as busy as, as winter and, and spring. Um, but we have all our college kids back. You know, we have obviously all our high school clientele is getting ready for the next year. And, you know, and then, and then our adult tra- uh, train, uh, adults that train, uh, and we're very fortunate the last few years because of some of the things that we do at apex and the environment and culture we provide, we've been growing our adult clientele. Um, it takes time, but it's like, think about it. We're fighting against other sports like CrossFit or even other adult activities like volleyball league, soccer league, basketball league, right? To try to get those people to come into our gym. I think, again, traditionally speaking, pole vault and track is seen as, oh, it's that high school sport trying to get into college. We're trying to change that. But anyway, so we, a lot of our clients, it's the summer is super busy. It may even sometimes seem not as busy because we spread out the training throughout the day. So a lot of our high school clientele that's having summer vacation or college clientele that's having summer vacation, they might train during the, the, during the day because that's available. And then our adults are obviously still coming in at night uh, because they have jobs. Uh, so uh, this, this guy that I coached, he was coaching at another club and he calls me up because I forget why exactly, but there was a beach ball coming up or something. And he, he had some kind of question and we were talking and he's like, Oh dude, must be really slow at your club right now in the summer. And I'm like, no, what do you mean? And he's like, well, it's really slow at this club. I'm like, huh? I'm like, why is that? He's like, I don't know. It's summertime. So like there's no, no season. I'm like, yeah, but like, you're calling me about a beach ball. You know, there are some meets in the summer and they're fun for personally. I also think summertime meets are always a blast. They're club meets or run by people with, uh, affiliated with clubs or something. And it's just, it's just a different atmosphere. I think there are blast. There's always music, all that kind of stuff. So I always push those meets. We've always had strong attendance at a, at a lot of the, the, the local events that happen in, in the Northeast. And, uh, I'm like, dude, like I got people training to get ready for their, their next year of high school. I have all my college kids coming back, getting training, getting ready for the next year of college. And obviously the adults are going to still come in. Like, this is just what they do. They train, you know? Um, also I'm again, really big on strength and conditioning. So it's like my athletes know if you just don't train for four to six months, like you're not only you're not getting better, but you're probably losing muscle. You know, you're probably losing speed. So it's going to be tough coming back in the winter and killing it. Again, to go back to something said earlier in, the season, uh, earlier in this podcast, think about Mondo Duplantis. He opens up the season with a 601. I mean, does anybody think that after the summer was done, he just sat on the couch and did nothing? Like he had to have been training. There's no way you're going to open up at 601 and just like roll off the couch, right? So I was like explaining to him, like, that's just the culture that we've created at Apex. I mean, even new clients, when they come in, uh, you know, they'll come in, you know, they, everything gets explained, they're, ju- they're jumping. And then I'm like, oh, like, you know, it's up to you. Like, um, I, you know, sometimes I show them a couple exercises, but I'm like, oh, you know, I, we ran, you know, till the very end. If you want to work out, you can. If not, that's okay. But like they see, you know, a group of people squatting, deadlifting, doing pull-ups, 
farmers carries, suitcase carries, back extension, reverse hybrid, you know, it's like whatever workouts we're doing, a circuit maybe, you know, and so they see that and they're like, oh, like, I guess this is what you do. And then slowly, like as people want to jump higher, like going back to the example with John Mraz, the, the dad that, that lost a ton of weight and jumped 12 feet again, you know, I mean, he knew it's like, okay, well, if I want to jump higher, I got to get in better shape. And so he started training, you know, and, and look, not everybody does their strength and conditioning at apex. We do have some people that they'll go work out at a local gym or they'll, I have people that they will train at apex, but then when they're not at apex, they have actually joined a gym and work out there on, on the days away from apex. So it's like, we just promote that kind of culture. And the person on the phone was like, holy shit. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Cause here's the thing. If you're coaching, does it from let's, let's talk even just pole. If your coaching does not provide enough processes or systems in place to work on all the skills of pole vaulting, right? Then if, if you just have like a basic practice, like let's, let's use an example, right? If all you, all your athletes do is just jog a little bit, do some skips and then get on the runway and do a few pop-ups and then go back to a five, six, seven left and practice over how many times can you go through that process before you can't make any more progress? You know, think about it. Like the way we um, get better or adapt as humans, right? We have, you have to introduce stress to the system. If it's too much stress, obviously you get hurt and you crash. Um, but if you get just enough stress, right, you will actually get better, right? Obviously, if you don't give enough stress at all, you're just going to stay the same. So you introduce a little bit of stress, your body adapts, and now you're at this level. Well, now if you want to go to the next level, there has to be a change. You can't do the same thing. You're just going to stay here. You know, you're going to plateau. So you want to bust through those plateaus, even PR-wise, you have to introduce something different, right? So let's say I'm, I'm the average vaulter. I go to your club right? And you do a basic, right? What I call a basic pole vault practice. Like we jog a little bit, skip, get on the runway, a couple pop-ups, like maybe three, and then go back to a five, six, seven left and just jump, right? Let's say I walk into your club. I'm a 12 foot male high school vaulter. I go through that process within a month or two, I PR to 13.6 and now I'm stuck at 13.6. I go through that another month or two, right? Because I'm Maybe I came in mid indoors. I get through outdoors. I really saw no change. It's like, all right, well, you know, the season's done. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll be back next year. Because I've just experienced three months of training where nothing happened and we weren't working on anything. We just did the same practice over and over. Now, if I enjoy pole vault so much, I might be okay with that. But here's the thing as a coach, you have to have enough systems in place enough uh, progressions like drill progressions or, or skill progressions in the vault that, sure, there might be someone that's okay. They could do the vanilla basic practice every single time and they will have no complaints. But certain people are like, all right, well, like I got to do something new. Like I have, to, I have to learn a new skill. Like you keep telling me about, you know, my invert's not good. Well, how are we going to fix that? I can't just keep doing a seven left and you tell me my invert's not good. Like what are we going to do about it? taking through a drill progression, right? They may not, your athletes might not even know to ask for that, but like, that's the thing. Like you need to have an answer. So when athletes like start to figure out like, 
oh, wow, like there's always something new to work on. Like I, like I have these problems in my vault and we're going to work to fix those. And as soon as we fix one problem, we're going to go to the next problem. Like I, I was, just to simplify, let's say takeoff's an issue. Obviously you work takeoff, takeoff gets good. Then like swing becomes an issue. Well, now we work the swing. The swing's a lot better, but we've noticed takeoff got bad. So we got to go back to takeoff and then back, right? Like you can play this game through the whole jump and every little skill, Right. Well, when people know they can make continual progress or at least work on it, they're going to want to come in more. They're going to realize at the end of that spring season, it's like, oh my God, we still didn't fix this in my jump. I'm going to keep coming in the summer and keep training, you know? And obviously now, you know, from a physical standpoint, if you have some strength and conditioning and guys, you have to learn more about strength and conditioning. If you're a pole vault coach, it should interest you. At some point, you've taught all the skills. How does someone become better? They get physically better. They got to get stronger and faster. And how are you going to get someone stronger and faster? Also, if you're about to tell me um, just bodyweight workouts, guys, bodyweight workouts are great. They're great. On our YouTube channel, Calvin Harmon did a whole bodyweight workout routine that I think is really, really good. And it's very specific. And we, we put it out that first week that everybody had to go on lockdown for COVID. So it's like, that's there, but you can only go so far with that stuff. You have to add some weight stuff. You have to add maybe some plyometrics. You have to add some sprinting. Like there's gotta be more to it than that because even from that perspective, right? Your athletes are going to want to become physically better. You have to have answers for them, right? And the more answers you could provide as a coach, as a club, as a system, the more people are gonna wanna come in, the happier they're gonna be, you know? Um, so th those are just a couple thoughts. I mean, listen, read the article. I think it's a good article. Um, I go into certain detail in that. Um, and obviously if you have any comments or questions, like if you're someone that's coaching right now and you're like, man, like, I think I could do better. You know, we could, we have, you know, more systems in place or more progressions. Like how about this is a question. How do you incorporate a new, new athlete into a practice group? Do you have systems in place for that? At apex we do. We have a way to introduce a new client into the practice seamlessly without interrupting everybody else's practice. And this way also a person doesn't have to ask for a private lesson to come in for the first time. They can just join a group immediately. Um, but, you know, if you, again, you have some questions, feel free. Email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. We'd love to answer your questions and we'd love to help out. Um, that's, that's what we're about at Apex. We, we really want to just help people out and share as much knowledge as we can. And listen, we're at this place now, right? Like I went full-time with Apex in 2010, right? We're in 2020 right now. I, it's, it's amazing to think back how quickly 10 years went by, but we've learned a lot of lessons and we'd love to, to help you guys out. You know, maybe you can avoid some of the mistakes that we made early on as a club, even me as a coach. Um, but yeah, just reach out. Uh, I think that's it for today's podcast. Um, covered a lot. Again, if you have questions, email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's just Apex Vaulting. Um, you can find us on Apple iTunes. It's the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Please subscribe there. Um, please leave comments and reviews. That would be awesome. Share the podcast episodes with your friends. Uh, maybe they'll find this interesting. And we have 
a ton. I mean, you know, we have a ton of content on, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can always check us out. Uh, Instagram, it's the real apex vaulting. It's just apex vaulting on Facebook and Twitter. And you can go to past episodes. I mean, guys, we've had Katarina Stefaniti, Olympic champion on, uh, we've had Katie Najat, uh, a bunch, a bunch of people, uh, Jim B. Miller, coach of Tim Mack, the Olympic champion in 2004 and a bunch of other topics covered throughout the podcast. So you might, you might listen to a podcast and be like, Oh my God, this would be perfect for my friend. Um, I'm going to send it their way. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you in a week guys. <laughs>